I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back, beautiful mamas. I have got a great topic for us today. So many women I speak to are totally overwhelmed with the clutter in their life, whether it's the kids' toys, the state of their laundry, the Tupperware drawer, their inbox, their car, whatever it is, we are overwhelmed with extra things and extra noise in our life. And while there is a world of books and blogs and podcasts out there about how to live a minimalist life and how to declutter and how to clear out the extra noise in your life, I've always wondered, what does this actually mean about us, though? Why are we filling our life with so much? What does that messy bathroom say about us? And what does our busy, overwhelming calendar say about us? That's why when I saw this new book by Kerry Richardson come across my desk, I knew I had to interview her for all of you. Her book, What Your Clutter Is Trying To Tell You, is all about this. And in this interview, you will find so many little aha moments. Can't wait to share it with you. This is the Happy Mama Movement with your host, Amy Taylor Cabaz, author, mama to three, and editor of the Happy Mama magazine. In my mamahood journey, I have gone from an overachieving, addicted to busyness superwoman to finally slowing down, simplifying, and realizing that being a mama is the greatest self development teacher in the world. And after more than 15 years covering breaking news, I've swapped current affairs to inspiration and now bring you the best I can find every week to help us feel more connected as women as we raise our families. Because when we come together, amazing things happen. So welcome to the movement. So Kerry, I'm really interested to know how you came to the point of writing this book. There are so many websites and blogs and books around now about decluttering the minimalist lifestyle and really simplifying what we do and how we live. And it's one of the things I talk a lot about on my website. But I've always been really interested to know what does it really mean underneath all of this? We can clear out the Tupperware drawer, but just a few weeks later, it will be completely overwhelming again. There's something more going on than just our accumulation of stuff, isn't there? So how did you get to this point? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting. I kind of um, stumbled into the area a bit. You know, I've been working with clients as a coach for about 15 years. 
And when I started working with people and they would come to me with, you know, I'm here and I want to be there and I can't figure out why I can't get there, I would start to look at what was getting in their way and to help them understand things that are really conceptual and hard to wrap your mind around, like blocking beliefs or limited thinking, I would say to them, let's imagine that stuff is clutter and, and you just had to clear it out of the way. What would stop you? What might stop you from tending to that clutter? And so over time, I came to define clutter as anything that gets in the way of you living the life that you want to be living. Um, and, and certainly, as my work has evolved, I do start with a lot of people on their physical clutter because it's the easiest to understand. They can see it, they can feel it, they can touch it. But it all, to me, what I have found is that stubborn clutter or recurring clutter, as you're talking about, is almost always indicative of a non-clutter issue, that there is that something else going on underneath. And that's what I've been so intrigued by. You know, I'm not, you're right, there are so many like professional organizers in the world and books on how to declutter. I feel like the they miss the mark by not taking it a step further, or that's not their focus, to take it a step further and find out why is this clutter even in my life? If it had a message for me, what might it be? Oh, I love that. So juicy. And so what I'm all about as well, because otherwise it's just a Band-Aid solution. We just keep clearing it out, but it keeps coming back. And it is a symbol of something else going on in our life. So let's get really practical for the next 20 minutes. Let's look at the various reasons why we might have clutter in our life and what it's trying to tell us and how we first approach that. I've had clients too over the years that have just been so overwhelmed with the state of their house, the state of their inbox, the state of their health, all of those things. So let's get right into what are these things trying to tell us. So where can we start? So we can start, I like, you know, a couple good places to start is you can either look at where in your life does clutter tend to be a problem? Like meaning where as far as it can literally be like your kitchen, your bedroom, your living room, or it can be your relationships, your monkey mind. You know, what is, what is the clutter hotspot that drives you crazy the most? Um, you can look at it from an area perspective, or you can look at it from a, what is the type of clutter I tend to accumulate the most? Paperwork, books clothes, um, draining friendships, etc. So the kind of first place you want to look at is pick an area of your life that feels the most draining. And even if you wouldn't typically categorize it as clutter in the traditional definition, think of an area of your life where you just feel spent. You just feel tired. Um, it could be that you feel overcommitted, that you're running from one commitment to the next. And so the clutter we want to look at is your calendar. Let's look and see, are you overcommitting yourself? Is there anything that you can cancel or change your mind on that could clear some calendar clutter, for instance? It's when we start to clear some of that clutter that you start to get into those juicy bits of what's going on. So if we stick with the calendar clutter example, for instance, if I say to a client, you know, I want you to look at your calendar for the next week, and I want you to choose two things to cancel or uncommit from, if that is at all challenging for them, well, I can't do that because of this, then we start to look at how difficult is it for you to disappoint people and what are the feared consequences of disappointing people? Mm. You know, so that's the kind of underlying stuff that then results 
in calendar clutter. So I would start with an area of your life that drives you the most crazy. Think about what it would take to start to clean that up a little bit. And do you have any resistance to doing that cleaning? Pretty much in all of the work I've done with mummers over the years, there is an mm-hmm. underlying belief that we are at our core not enough. That at one yeah. that at one way or another, we're trying to make up for this feeling that we are not smart enough, not pretty enough, not busy enough, not successful enough, whatever it is. There's a lot of words before the enough, but at the mm-hmm. end, the very core of it is we're not enough. And I often feel like this accumulation of stuff or busyness in our life is a direct reflection of that. Is that what you see as well? Absolutely. When it's, it's kind of like, like I always envision like the, you know, the dangling carrot in front of us, except the carrot is enough. Mm. Like we're always chasing that enough. Right. And so we look for ways um, that feel like quick fixes or immediate gratification to capture that enough. But again, we're just dealing with it at a surface level. So not feeling enough can make you overgive to people. It can make you, you know, want to be the hero for everybody or want to show everyone just how much you love them, whether it's your kids or your spouse or your kid's school or community, you know, you can overgive so you can feel like enough. If you're looking for a lot of external validation because you're lacking Um, the belief that you, in fact, are enough just as you are, then your life gets really, really busy. And when you are externally busy in that way, your physical environment is going to suffer. You're not going to have the energy to, you know, keep up your home if that's something that's important to you. You know, I'm someone who really values visual clarity. And I know when my home starts to get really messy or starts to pile up with stuff, that's a sign that something is out of alignment in my life. And so I can certainly sort the clutter for sure. But I I also want to take that next step and say, okay, what am I neglecting? What self-care am I neglecting that is resulting in this physical stuff? So absolutely chasing that enough, that ever elusive enough, Mm. um, ends up filling our lives with stuff that we really don't cherish and value. Exactly. It's like we're, as you said, filling a hole with things or busyness to try and fill that enoughness inside us. But I'm the same as you. I really value a clean, tidy, organized house and life. And when Mm -hmm. things aren't like that, I do feel really overwhelmed. But and mm-hmm. I and I too see it as a uh oh things are out of balance. Perhaps it's because when I was growing up, my mum always used to say to me, "Messy room, messy mind," mm. <laughs> because which I kind of have always carried through that when my world feels out of control, it is often a reflection of what's happening inside. But when we are super busy. Kerry, and we are modern women trying to juggle so many different things. And most of us are just going through survival mode each day. You know, the to-do list is so enormous that that mm-hmm. alone will take up all of our time. How do we How do we start with this? Yeah, so with the to-do list, you know, I like, I encourage people to evaluate, and this is something I have to do a lot, am I truly busy or am I fake busy? Mm. <laughs> so... Um, And it's probably a combination of both because when you are truly busy, 
when you have a lot of demands on you, you have a lot of responsibilities, you have a lot of people relying on you, and you truly are authentically busy, you can get into like an, auto, like an autopilot mode of busyness and sprinkle in some more busyness where you don't really need it. So true. So when that, that never-ending to-do list, I like to look at that list and really, I mean, if it is a true physical list, to evaluate that list you know, what on this list can absolutely only I do? No one else could possibly do it for me. Like go to the dentist, for instance, only you can do that. So what is it on that list that only you can do? What on that list could you outsource? Whether that means asking a friend for a favor, hiring a housekeeper, whatever it is, identify those things that theoretically, at the very least, someone else could do And then what is it on that list that really doesn't need doing at all? And can you just chuck it? You know, what I I hear from people a lot who say, you know, I have a backlog of six months worth of magazines. I have to go through them before I recycle them. That's a chuck it. That's a you don't really have to go through them before you recycle them. You could just recycle them. So evaluating our list that way can help us determine what's truly busy and, and necessary versus what is maybe some fake busyness that, we feel like is important, but it really isn't. The other thing that is really common, you know, with mamas is asking for help. You know, asking, we are such doers, right? We just get stuff done that it's really difficult to um, ask for help for, for a variety of reasons. Fear that our request won't be fulfilled and that we'll be disappointed, that someone won't do it as well as we can. Um, lots of reasons why we don't ask for help. It's risky when you ask for help you are exposing a bit of your vulnerability, um, but it's also a very courageous thing to do. So you can't expect yourself to be like the general manager of the universe. You just can't do it. Um, it's not good for you. It's not good for your children. It's not good for your relationship. And it's certainly not good for your community. So it just, it starts to reverberate out, right? The, the more empty our tank is, the more the things that are most important to us, including ourselves and our families, suffer. Hmm. I think many of us fail to recognize just how organized we need to be (laughs) to be able to have a great life. Uh, I know in my own world, I resist at times, you know, doing the menu plan and looking ahead at the next month at what birthday parties we have coming up and getting organized for the presents. And it's like I'm, oh, I don't want to do all of that because it feels... I don't know, not very inspiring perhaps. And for me, Kerry, something changed when I began to understand that a very feminine quality is to be organized, for us to know what's coming up next week, to be on top of what day it is and who needs to take what to school and to look ahead at what we're going to have for dinner in the morning rather than getting to quarter to five, which is what I used to do and think, oh, my God, I've got nothing to feed anyone. Um, (laughs) um, I think most of us, once again, we're so busy surviving that it's really important to take time out. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, perhaps regularly, maybe once a month or something, and do a little stock take of your life, don't you think? Absolutely. You know, it's what's so ironic about that is while planning can be not a very exciting task and, and can somewhat sometimes feel dreadful, it's, it's that actual task that saves us a whole lot Mm. of stress and grief. So by just committing to 
a regular interval of just as you said, looking at what's coming down the pike, what do you need to tend to, what do you need to plan for, and planning accordingly. Like in in a smaller chunk, something I do, you know, every week on Sunday, I take about 20 minutes at the end of my day and I brainstorm what is the priority for the, for the upcoming week. And when I write that down, I then look at, okay, what needs to happen on Monday? And I plan my Monday. Now I'm someone who like, I don't then plan the rest of the week. I might loosely, but I at least know what I'm going to tackle on Monday. And by, and then I do Tuesday and Wednesday, et cetera. When I find that I do that, the things that I need to do that in my mind felt like was going to take me eight hours, sometimes takes me 90 minutes. Yes. It's, you know, our tasks are so much bigger in our minds than they are executing them because we tend to use our brain as a container instead of a computer, Mm. right? Our brain is just like any other hard drive on a computer. If you load it down with too many files, it's going to go slow. You're not going to be resourceful, creative. You're not going to come up with options or solutions. Um, so that Sunday kind of mind dump that I do Mm. of here's what needs my attention this week already relaxes my brain and my body. And then I can look at, here's what I need to do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday to finish off the week as a success. And I find that when I do that, the tasks throughout, I spend much fewer hours executing the tasks than if I spend my day going, okay, now what do I need to do next? What do I need to do next? I just go to my list and say, oh, I finished that. The next thing is this. So, yes, it's, it is a lifesaver. Um, it takes some discipline. But I'm telling you, it, you can do it like a week or two in and you will feel an incredible difference. Let's talk about that discipline for a moment because I know in my own life I have been in periods where I do do that on a Sunday night. I look at what the kids need, what I need, what my husband needs and what my business needs and I do a little rough mud map of what I need to do and the weeks just flow so much better. I am in such a better mindset and I can cope with what life requires of me so much better. But then I stop it. (laughs) What? <laughs> Which is such the human condition, isn't it? We know what we yeah. need to do to feel better, but we don't do it. Now, as a life coach with so much experience, I would love to hear your thoughts on why we do this. And for the mummers who, yes, yes, I know I should do this, but I never prioritize it. Or I never seem to get around to it. What's going on there? What's that telling us about ourselves? Yeah, if, if we're not making the things that truly are a priority a priority, that in and itself is clutter, right? So we'd want to look underneath, what is the payout? What is the benefit to not making it a priority, even though you know it is? So that's where, that's where the whole idea of clutter gets really interesting. There is a reason why we're not doing what we know we need to be doing to live the life we want to be living. It's that excavation that you want to do and go, okay, why might I not be doing that? Um, so like when you think about doing it will result in this great, you know, end result. Is there anything about that end result that feels scary, unpleasant, um, not very exciting? You know, it's that whole, a lot of people will be really great out of the gate. And then when they approach their proverbial finish line, they tend to slam on the brakes that whole fear of success that we hear about. It's like as human beings, we are wired 
to chase, to live in pursuit, to run toward pleasure, run away from pain. So we know how to live in pursuit. That's that whole, I'll start my diet on Monday mentality. Mm-hmm. It's really exciting to live in pursuit and in the future. But then when we look at the actual work it takes to execute that vision, that's when our like younger self, our own inner child comes up and throws a bit of a temper tantrum. And it's like, well, that's no fun. I don't want to do that. So I believe that if we can marry the grown women that we are with the little girls we still have inside of us who don't want to adult, you know, if we can partner up and we can tell that younger part of us, hey, listen, I know this isn't fun. Let's just do a little bit of planning. What I, I use something called the Pomodoro technique. It sounds really fancy and it's so not. It's a time, it's a time management tool, not created by me, um, but I use it and it's this simple. So you eliminate, you choose a task that you want to work on. So let's say you want to do your planning for the week. That's the task. You eliminate all distractions. You shut down your phone. You shut off your email. You let your family know, hey, I need 30 minutes uninterrupted. You sit down at your planning. You set a timer for 25 minutes. That number is important. Set that timer for 25 minutes, and you work on your planning for those 25 minutes. When the timer goes off, you take a five-minute break up and away. And if you do need to come back and do another round, you need that five-minute break. That little girl inside of you who just wants to play and doesn't want to adult knows that there's a light at the end of the tunnel, right? There's a five-minute break that's coming, and you, you all know that, you know, five minutes to a child is a long time. They can play hard in five minutes. So a five-minute break feels really appealing to that resistant part of ourselves. So when the grown woman can put some gentle parameters around what feels like a not very fun task to our younger selves, then our younger selves can get more on board. So it's kind of like a game you want to play with yourself that it's like instead of thinking of planning as this big daunting task, think of it as 25 minutes that you're going to sit down and do some planning. You'll probably have it done in less time than that. But knowing that, you know what, I'm going to set a timer for 25 minutes. And when that goes off, I'm walking away from this. That light at the end of the tunnel is very appealing. And I would imagine you could use that with the physical decluttering of your house too, or any part, you know, if it is the kid's toy room that's totally overwhelming Mm -hmm. you every day. If you did 25 minutes at a time, that would also make it a lot more achievable. Yes, I, I use that technique in every area of my life. When I need to do some writing, Pomodoro technique. Clear some clutter, Pomodoro technique. Plant. I use it for everything. And that's really the number one thing I say to people when they say, okay, but how do I get started? It feels so overwhelming. You just need to start one 25-minute round. And sometimes the first type of clutter you need to clear is your resistance. So it may mean that the first 10 or 15 minutes of that round is spent writing down any of the resistance chatter that's in your brain. Mm -hmm. Clear that clutter first. And then you can get to the actual task at hand, whether it's cleaning the toy room, doing your planning, whatever it may be. Um, it's, it's a real, I'm telling you, I can't tell you the feedback I've gotten over the years. It sounds like such a simple technique, but people are blown away by its effectiveness. So just to make it clear, you do 25 minutes. And if you need to do more than 25 minutes, you then have a five-minute break and then come back and repeat that 30-minute cycle again. Exactly. You do another 25 minutes, another five minute break. If you're working on something long term and you happen to do four rounds in a row with those five minute breaks 
after four rounds, you want a longer break, 30 minute break mm. away from it. Um, mm. But yes, that little break is important. Some people, if you're really in the zone when the timer goes off, it's okay to keep going. But if you feel any kind of resistance, honor it, stand up and walk away. I just, you know, I might get a cup of tea. I might throw a load of laundry in. I might step outside for a breath of fresh air just to get away from the task at hand and then come back fresh. Great tip. That's amazing. Thanks, Kerry. I love that. So one last question I want to ask on behalf of all the mummers who would love to have a life and a house and an environment around them that is organised and clutter-free and probably had all of that before their life got totally chaotic with young kids and balancing work (laughs) and whatever else they have to juggle. What do we do when we feel like we really need a level of organisation and declutter and minimalist almost, like that sense of space around us. But our family, the season that we're in in our life right now, the time we're in right now is not allowing us to do that. How can Mm -hmm. you make peace with, okay, there are going to be Play-Doh all over the floor and there is going to be this over here until, you know, we pass this stage or, or whatever it is. How can we be okay with all of that? Yeah, it, you know, it is just that I think if you, if we can find um, a place in our lives, physical place, emotional space, where that is our sanctuary as best as it can be, you know, it means really um, strong boundaries with, with your family. So, like, I think about one of my sisters-in-law, when her kids were very young, she had this rule that, uh, you know, come 8 o'clock, her bedroom is off limits. Now, her kids were young enough that they should be in bed asleep anyway. Um, so that's her sanctuary where she would go to read. Of course, if they were sick or there was some emergency, they knew they could come in. But she established this boundary with them that, you know, that threshold, this is mom's space. Mm-hmm. So toys weren't allowed in there um, as best as possible. I mean, she really, it can sound a little harsh, but it was vital for her. And she is an exceptional mother. Her kids who are grown now are exceptional young men and women. Um, so it, it served them well. Uh, they feel loved and accomplished and successful. So it's, where can you find a sanctuary? Yes, there might be Play-Doh in the rug and there might be toys all over the place, but it is um, having boundaries with your kids. Like this is your play space. Hmm. Um, I mean, I remember growing up, it was like shoes off before you walk on the carpet or, uh, you know, there were just rules and discipline growing up that, taught me to respect our environment. I had toys and I had board games and places and stuff, but I knew certain areas were grown-up areas and certain areas were kids' areas. Um, It takes a lot of effort. I totally get it. But I think if you can find a place, an emotional or physical sanctuary for yourself, it might be, you know, a bath that you take at night, or it could be your bedroom if that's the place you want it to be. Um, some place that you can go that you can come home to yourself, that you can be the woman you are because every other minute of the day you're the wife or the mother. If you can just find some space in your life where you can come home to yourself and reconnect with your identity as just a woman, not just a woman, but as a woman and not all these other roles, it's, it's your whole family will benefit as a result. So I know some of those suggestions may sound unrealistic and could get some eye rolls but just <laughs> I challenge you 
to think about what restructuring can you do in your home that you, could allow you to reclaim some space that's just yours. I couldn't agree more, Kerry. One of the things we do, one of the first things we do in my six-week program that I do with mummers is create a sacred space in your home. And some mummers only get the top of a chest of drawers. That's it. That's the only place they can claim in the house that isn't going to be touched or interrupted by anybody else but that little space is theirs and they can keep their journal and maybe a candle or something that just acknowledges them as a woman rather than the mother and the partner and the sister and the friend and everybody else so great advice I totally agree with you thank you yeah you're welcome so mummers Kerry Richardson's book is what your clutter is trying to tell you and as I said I'm so glad Kerry that someone is looking at the deeper issues of this because it is more than just the material objects or the busyness in our life it's what that is telling us about what we value so thank you so much for bringing this to light you're welcome thank you Thanks for listening to the Happy Mama Movement. I truly believe that great things happen when we come together to support and uplift each other. So to help spread the word and build the movement, I'd love it if you could pop over and leave a review. And if you have a mama friend who'd also love this insight, please share with her. Until next time, beautiful mama. Satnam. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.